pray from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So we're going to take a short detour from the, uh, the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. We're going to jump to the book of Mark. Uh, and we're going to go to uh, chapter 2. And there we're going to read uh, about one of Jesus' miracles, where he both forgives and heals a paralytic. As you're turning there, uh, a little bit of background. Uh, just prior to uh, the start of chapter 2, at the end of chapter 1 in Mark, um, we find another miracle that Jesus had performed. There was a leper that he had cleansed. Um, and after cleansing this leper, Jesus tells him in verse 44, See that you say nothing to anyone, uh, but go your way, show yourself to the priest. And in verse 45, the leper's response was he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And that kind of sets the scene for uh, the beginning of chapter 2. So we'll go ahead and pick it up there in verse 1. And again, he, being Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. So we see Jesus uh, has returned now. At the end of chapter 1, like I read, we find that he left because the crowd was getting too big. Um, as he often did, right? Would give a, sometimes he would give a difficult message or he would go uh, to a place maybe a little bit more secluded. So he's now back in Capernaum. The people that are around are starting to hear that he's back in the area, right? And um, so that he's starting to draw crowds and says there were so many there that there was no longer room to receive them in the house. So people were all over the place, right? Couldn't even get through the door to see Jesus anymore. Um, and what was Jesus doing? He was preaching to them, right? Uh, he was preaching the word to them. So then uh, some of them probably came to hear Jesus teach, right? To hear him explain um, some of the Old Testament to them. Some of them are probably there to see more miracles, right? Because some of those guys were, uh, those crowds were gathering because of the miracles that Jesus was performing. And likely, as we'll find out, for some of them, they were probably there with some ill intent in their heart, right? Looking to catch Jesus in something. Um, so we'll pick it back up now in verse 3. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when, the, uh, when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down uh, the bed on which the paralytic was lying. So the first thing that jumps into my mind when I see this, uh, these couple of verses is just the determination the persistence of these four men, right? So maybe not unlike tonight, Jesus is standing preaching to a group. Uh, he's surrounded by people. And these guys come up to the door and see, we, we can't even get close to Jesus. We want to bring our paralytic friend to Jesus, and we can't get him close. So they have the mindset to say, well, how can I get my friend closer to him? So they climb up the roof with this paralytic on his bed, start tearing the roof apart, and lower this man in the middle of this house, right? Can you imagine the reaction of the people that are sitting there? I, I, there's probably noise going on, probably some confusion, right? Those who came to see a miracle might be excited because they probably knew the, uh, the uh, paralytic. 
Um, so maybe as they saw him being lowered down, they thought, well, maybe this is the miracle that we were hoping to see. The owner of the house probably wasn't all too excited to have somebody tearing his house apart either, right? I know I wouldn't be. Um, but those friends had something that propelled them to, to deliver their paralytic friend to Jesus. It was their faith, right? Uh, and as I prepared this message, as, I, as it seems it happens most times, I, uh, I feel convicted or challenged, I guess. Um, when was the last time that I, I, took the, I went the extra mile to help deliver my friend to the feet of Jesus, right? When was the last time that I, I really put that effort in? Um, so once again, now we have these four men on the roof. They've torn the roof apart. They've lowered their friend at the feet of Jesus, and now they're probably standing over watching what's going on. Um, and we pick it back up in verse 5, and it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Sons, or Son, your sins are forgiven you. So Jesus stopped his teaching. He addressed this man personally, right? He said, Son, uh, and his response was, Your sins are forgiven you. Uh, through faith, once again, these friends lowered their paralytic friend. But I think that possibly they were looking for a physical healing, right? That's likely why they brought him. They knew that Jesus had performed miracles in the past. They knew that Jesus had healed other people in the past. So they, they were looking for Jesus to perform a miracle too. But Jesus, the miracle that Jesus performs here is that he, he tells him, your, your sins are forgiven. Um, I wonder if those guys knew at that time that their actions, their faith, would put their friend in a position where his life would be changed. I think they did, right? They thought he was going to be changed physically, but really he was changed eternally, right? Jesus blessed him by saying, your sins are forgiven. Um, and imagine their response. The guys are now up on the roof, looking down, probably listening as much as they can, trying to figure out what's going on. You know, hey, what did he say? What, what's happening? Right? And I think they, they may have not been sure what to do when Jesus stopped there for a second at your sins are forgiven. Right? I don't think that's what they were looking for necessarily. I think in the end they're very glad to see that. But they were coming for something different. Um, in Matthew's account, Jesus says uh, in, verse, uh, in the same as verse 5, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And I wonder if this wasn't Jesus' way of telling him, hey, there's some, this is something better, right? How often do we put Jesus in a box, God in a box, and say, you know, this is what I desire. This is what I think is best for my life. This is what I think is best for the situation. And really, God has something way bigger in store for us, right? Uh, but, but sometimes we fail to see that. Our eyes are internally focused, we're focused on our paralysis, right? And Jesus is focused on our hearts. That's really, that's really what he wants, right? He wants faith. He wants our hearts. Um, and still in, in verse 5, I want to read that again to you because I think the chronology of events that happened there are important. When Jesus saw their faith... He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. 
In Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, it tells us, For grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. See, it's important here that first comes the faith, right? Then salvation. And notice what it does not say. It does not say that his sins were forgiven because of their actions, right? We have to be very careful because there are a lot of teachings out there uh, that will tell you it's work-based or it's faith and, right? And that's, that's false gospel that cannot save you. The truth is, Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. I also find it fun here in verse 5 that Jesus uses the term of endearment, son. He makes it personal to him, right? He doesn't say, sir. He doesn't say, man. He doesn't, it's, it's a personal, it's, it's his desire, it's him showing his desire to have a relationship with us, right? Desiring that, that we are all sons and daughters of his and that, and that we spend that time with him, that, that we have that personal uh, relationship with him. Okay, and, uh, and in verse 6, uh, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Uh, recall that the scribes are scholars of Old Testament law. A lot of them spent a lot of their time copying the Old Testament down, would have been very well versed in the Old Testament, um, would have rightfully recognized that when Jesus said your sins are forgiven you, that he was claiming to be God right? They would have realized that, I think, immediately. Um, but their response was from a, uh, a place of a hardened heart, right? Their response was, well, that's blasphemy, not full well knowing most of the, old scripture, the scriptures in the Old Testament, not understanding the scriptures in the Old Testament, right? Um, and their, their response was not to say anything to Jesus, but their response was an internal, it says they reasoned in their hearts. Um, so they weren't, they weren't even willing to say, to ask him questions. They weren't, they weren't there seeking truth from him, right? They weren't looking for, who are you, really? They're, they were there in judgment. And in verse 8, but immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? Because that's what everybody expected Jesus to say, right? They expected him to say, stand up and go, right? Um, and, and I like the way that Jesus confronts the scribes here. He does it in a manner that shows once again that he is God. In Jeremiah 17, uh, verses 9 and 10, it says, The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, and uh, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. So here's another example of Jesus showing these scribes, if they know their scripture, that he is God. He knows what their heart is, and they haven't said anything, right? He's reading their thoughts to them. Um, so if, if I were to consider what the, what the scribes are feeling at this point in time, now they're presented with a man who calls himself God uh, by saying that he's forgiven this guy's sins. He's just read my thoughts, right? Um, how, 
How do they internalize this? Um, how do they respond to Jesus' question? And the answer is they don't because there is no good answer. Which is easier, to forgive the man or to say, take up your bed and walk? Uh, I think they knew that the answer was only God could do either one or both of those, right? So then in verse 10 we read, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. So here Jesus was showing the scribes his ability to forgive sins, the miracle which was not able to be physically seen, by showing the scribes that he could do what could be physically seen, giving the man physical healing, right? Um, The second miracle was used to really confirm the first for the scribes. I think this part of the passage is just as much about the, uh, the scribes being faced with truth, the truth of Jesus and how they reacted in the presence of Jesus and his truth as, as much as it was about the paralytic being forgiven and healed, really. I can't imagine the scribes didn't go home and think that night as they laid there in bed about everything that they'd seen and heard, right, about this man who was claiming to be God, um, this man who can read their hearts, this man who was able to make this paralytic stand, right? And when they're faced with that truth, what was their reaction? Right? The Bible doesn't record what the scribes reacted with that night. Um, but I think it's good for us to think through how do we, how do we react in the, in the face of truth, right? When we read through God's word, do we let it penetrate our hearts or are our hearts hard to um, <clears throat> so and then in verse 12 the end of the miracle it says immediately he arose took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying we've never seen anything like this and that's that's the human reaction, that's the heart's reaction to really seeing God move, right? Sometimes people rely on miracles to have that reaction, but I'm telling you, when you really get to know God, when you get to see Jesus move in all things, that should be our everyday reaction to Jesus, right? Is that, that giving Him glory for what He's doing, because He's always doing miracles. Sometimes they're the, the big ones, sometimes they're moving hearts, Right? which is equally big. (laughs) Um, I like Luke's account of the paralytic reaction uh, in uh, chapter 5 of Luke, verse 25. You don't have to turn there. But it says, Immediately he rose up before them, took what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. So not only do we see everybody around that sees these miracles start to glorify God, we see this paralytic glorifying God. Part of me wonders, you know, if I'd gotten my legs after some period of time of being paralyzed, you know, did this man skip on the way home? Did he do a heel click? You know, how, how excited was he really, right? Because he had been given this huge gift. And then the other side of me wonders, how much did he process what Jesus said to him back in verse 5? Son, your sins are forgiven you, Right? And that's the real reason to skip, to run home, 
to proclaim things to everybody else. Imagine the profound changes that took place in that paralytic's life over a very short period of time, right? He can now walk, which is amazing, absolutely a miracle. But more importantly, his sins are forgiven. This man went from being dependent on everyone else to carry him, right? Beginning of the story, we had this man lying on a, a bed, four of his friends carrying him, to now at the end of the story, he is dependent on one person. That person's not himself anymore. That person is Jesus, right? The man who was able to both heal him and forgive his sins. Uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This man, this ex-paralytic now, uh, was a new creation. He was a new creation inside, right, when his sins were forgiven. And he was visibly a new creation on the outside when Jesus said, Arise, walk. What a beautiful picture, right? I think that it's also important to point out the reaction from those who were there, those who got to see, witness this whole interaction. It was, it was amazement. Um, they, were, they were glorifying God because, once again, they got to see uh, a little bit of God's glory here on earth. So, uh, things to chew on now, um, things that strike me as I go through this. There were a couple different groups of people who were present uh, in this house listening to Jesus teach, who witnessed the exact same set of events, right? Um, I parallel this. I was at work the other day, and I was looking out the window, watching uh, some wildlife, and another person happened to walk up and look out, and I asked him, I said, I wonder, at the end of the day, we have no way of knowing if we, although we see the exact same thing, do we comprehend it the same way? And I think this, this story is a good picture of that, we had a group of four men uh, with his paralytic friend. If I were to use a word to describe them in this story, I think I would use the word faith, right? Through faith, they carried their paralytic man from some distance to this house to see Jesus. By faith, they came up to the house and found that there was no way to enter through the doors because it was so crowded. By faith, they decided, I'm going to climb on this roof, heave this guy up with me, right? By faith, they decided, I'm going to tear through this roof because it's that important to get my friend at the feet of Jesus. By faith, they lowered him down. And by faith, the paralytic's sins were forgiven, right? So if that one word to describe those four men and his paralytic friend, I'd say faith. And what does that do? What, what reaction does that have in our lives? Um, it changed lives that day. It changed the paralytic's life, definitely. I think it changed a lot of the crowd's life too, right? Those who were there and amazed. Um, it also led to forgiveness and healing. I think very, very neat things. And on the flip side of that coin, we had the other group that was there, the scribes. If I had to use a word or two to, to describe them, I would say they were there in unbelief, uh, in self-reasoning, maybe denial, right? They were denying who Jesus was, the power that he had. They were saying that he was blaspheming. And what does that lead to? Well, I think if we look in Matthew 23, uh, verse 27, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. 
I think in those scribes' life, it leads, it leads to death, right? So we need to be careful that we don't get caught up in, in any of that stuff, right? That unbelief, that self-reasoning, right? Let faith take its place. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And as I look back at this story, I think it absolutely, when Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven you, to the Pharisees, that was foolishness. Right? They stood there and they said, that's blasphemy. But to this paralytic, it was the absolute power of God. Right? So a couple other notes. Um, I think the order in which uh, Jesus forgave the man and then healed him is important as well. I think um, it was a way that Jesus said, even in blessing this man, which Jesus knew he was going to heal him too, right? But I think Jesus had his focus on the eternal rather than the temporary first, right? Let's get first things first. It's about your heart having your heart in the right place, being forgiven, right? That's really what matters. It's the eternity of things. In the end, he ends up blessing him with a temporary thing, gives him legs to walk again, right? Strengthens his legs. But I think it's important to, to see that in this story that, that Jesus' focus was really on the eternal first. <clears throat> um, and, and one last time, I'm going to go back to verse 5 because I think that there's a lot of power in this verse. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus' desire is faith, right? He wants our hearts. He wants all of our hearts. So I ask you tonight, do you have faith? Is your heart right with God? If not, son, daughters, today is the day of salvation, right? There's, there's no time like the present to make that decision to have faith and invite Jesus into your life. Today is the day to lay down willingly at Jesus' feet and accept the forgiveness of sins that he offers through his sacrifice on the cross. Okay, so we're done a little bit early. I both apologize for that and take credit for that. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray and close this out, and then uh, you guys are free to go. Father God, thank you. I praise you for the, the beauty, the simplicity of your love, of the truth that you share through your message. I praise you for the simplicity of salvation through faith and not of acts. I praise you that you give us your word to rely on. And I praise you that you love us enough to call us sons and daughters, even in the midst of our messy lives. I pray that your word would go out and penetrate hearts. I pray for those um, who, haven't, who don't have faith, uh, who haven't accepted you yet. Today is the day of their salvation too, I pray, that they would come to the saving knowledge of who you are, Jesus. I thank you for this church and for this time uh, together. And I pray that uh, you just go throughout the rest of the day with everybody. In Jesus' name.
Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good week and God bless.